Is it wrong for a guy to have long hair? No, oh, man, I'm not supposed to solve this right off the bat, am I? <laughs> yeah, I know you want to. <laughs> well, there's a lot in this chapter that we're going to look at yeah. today in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're talking about like, I mean, is it wrong to for guys to wear a hat in church? I grew up mm. with that being like a sin. Yeah. Is that wrong? Well, I don't know that it was a sin, but it was certainly looked down upon. But yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Does it come out of 1 Corinthians 11 or does it come out of something else? We're going to mm. hit that in just a little bit. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And I'll get started in verse 1. So 1 Corinthians 11, we're at in verse 1. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. We actually covered that yesterday when we were finishing 1 Corinthians 10 because it it followed up with what he was saying in that context. He was saying that I try to please everyone in everything I do. I do just what is best. I do not do just what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that I may they may also be saved and you should imitate me saying, follow my example in this. All right, so verse 12 then, or verse 2 gets into the next subject. I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts. And it appears even in all that he's writing that he's responding to things that they wrote to him. So there had been a letter from the Corinthians to Paul that we don't have. You can tell that there were some questions that they had asked him that he's answering and just some things that they had said to him that he's responding to even here where he said, I'm glad you're keeping me in your thoughts, which they obviously had written, we're keeping you in our thoughts. Verse three, but there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Well, that can create an awful lot of controversy yeah, right, right there. This is one of the most debated chapters really mm-hmm. in scripture right now, especially for those who are, would you say, egalitarian mm-hmm. versus complementarian. And this whole idea of male leadership and male being leading the home. Uh, which I would say we are biased on, but because we believe this text right here. And then verse four, a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. Now, the culture during this time in Rome, that I know that you probably know more about this than I do, but there was this um, masculinity that that in the Roman Empire during this time that women were trying to assume. So there was a trend of women shaving their heads to look a little bit more mask masculine, so to speak. And so it's very possible that Paul is addressing this when he's saying, um, you know, shaving shaving the head in that respect. Yeah, and I and, and that I, I can't really respond to because I, I've not been able to actually see the original data behind that. I mean, I, I have read what some commentators have written without actually citing any primary sources stating yeah, that this right. is the case. It does it does appear to me that there was this symbolism that Paul was trying to get across that he wanted to maintain the order of creation and the purpose of that order, just even in their hair, their head covering. And I know that in that world, there definitely was a statement when it came to the length of hair and the the hats or the, the head coverings. Yeah. Which we get into a little bit more in his next few verses, mm-hmm. especially with yeah. men. So verse seven, a man shall, uh, should not wear anything on his head when worshiping for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. And woman reflects man's glory for the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. 
speaking of the order. When, yeah, the order of creation. Yeah. Adam was made, and then Eve was created and brought to Adam. And this isn't talking that about worth between you know a male a man is more important because he was first, and man's more important because a woman was made for him. He's simply talking about the order of creation, the idea of the the idea of complementing. Yes, and a, and a woman was made to be a complement to men, and you can't say that the, that men were created to be a complement to a woman because a woman was not created yet. And I think the other part of this is that all of us are human beings, and whether God decided to make me as a man and another person as a woman doesn't take away the value or there is the, the I think that we wind up wrapping up our identity all in whatever sex we were created as, but if God had decided to make me a woman, so be it. And if God had decided to make this woman a man, well, so be it. He could have done that, but he chose to make me a man. And I'm glad for that because you would have made a terrible woman, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I would have been, but yeah, I would have been awful at it. But I do think I would have been different, radically different, if that if he had chosen otherwise. <laughs> Just try um, not to picture it right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say though is that our value is not based on our gender. Our value is based on our right. being human, and that we yeah. were created after God's image, and male and female were created after yeah. God's image. And, and all of us have that equal value. And that's what's so sad God. today is I feel like we've really taken ourselves down to this point where we get so into pronouns. It's like, are we, have we really just like brought ourselves down to merely just genders and, and preferred pronouns? Like we're far more yeah. than, than this. All right. So let's get back into uh, the, the passage here. Verse 9, then, and man was not made for a woman, but woman for man. Verse 10, for this reason, and because the angels are watching... A woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. Yeah. And of course, all of these things, whenever it comes to any kind of a clothing, it is culturally related because our cloth, uh, th those clothing styles, they do shift and change. And even the messages that certain kinds of clothing send would be different in one culture than it would be in another. Yeah. And so he is writing that in this way that a woman should keep her head covered because she is showing then that she recognizes that she has an obligation to submit to whoever her husband is. It's actually cultural in the Amish community. I went Even to today, an Amish sure. grocery store and my daughter, my oldest daughter, she just loves like Amish culture. She thinks it's so fun. And I was talking to the Amish girl who was working the checkout. She had a head covering on. And I said, where can I buy one of those? Because my daughter really wants one. And she said, well, it depends because you wear a certain color when you're married, but you wear a different color when you're under the headship of your dad. I just thought that was really interesting. Really interesting. Verse 11, but among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God, which is a great message here, that there's this interdependence that we need each other. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it is disgraceful for a man to have long hair? Let me just read that verse again, here, verse 14. <laughs> Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And you know how many times and, I've been quoted this like seriously <laughs> by people in church, though? <laughs> and so what do you say about that? Yeah. Well, I, I actually point to the very next verse. Yeah. Isn't the long hair a, a woman's pride and joy? Yeah, I remember, so my school, and I love my school growing up um, in many ways, but I remember my school teaching this, hey, it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair. It's a, it's a verse in the Bible. Um, but the problem is, is like, I remember being taught that by my teacher who had very short hair. It's like, well, the very next verse, it says, is it, and isn't it long hair, a, a woman's pride and joy. So we are getting into some cultural things here. 
for a man to have long hair in the Roman Empire, it was very likely that he was a male prostitute. And so Paul's addressing Paul's addressing that. Um, and for a woman, I, personally for me, I, I love my wife's long hair. I've asked, please don't chop it off. I, I love her long hair, but it wouldn't be a sin for her to, her to cut her hair. But it is, wouldn't you agree here? Very cultural. Or maybe you disagree just because I have long hair. Yeah, well, I mean, I would agree that it is cultural. In fact, we'd have to say that throughout most of Christian history, that it was culturally common for men to have long hair. The Roman in the Roman era, it was uncommon. But as soon as we get into the Byzantine era and the early medieval era, then all the way through the late medieval era, era, when you look at the artwork of common people for that day, it was not out of the norm for men to have long hair. So through most of Christian history, they did not understand this verse to teach that. And so I, I would say, yes, it is related to what is the message that you are sending in the culture that you're living today? So verse 15, yes, uh, or verse 16, but if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. He's talking about the custom of that day. Verse 17, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is being done when you meet together. In fact, uh, you want to pick it up from there, Junior? Yeah. Because first, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet at, as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. What does that mean? Well, the fact that there were divisions among them, uh, I mean, this is really what he's going after, is that you're not looking as though you belong to God's people when there are divisions among you this way. The lack of unity goes so much against what Christ had prayed for and the fact that we are one body in Christ. Okay. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your meal without sharing with others. So he's talking about communion here, that mm-hmm. during this time the church would eat together, it was a full meal for communion. You know, today we, and it's not wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong, but today we have, you know, the little cup with a little piece of like cracker and, and we take communion and that can, it's a very special thing uh, that church would meet for a full meal. So for some of you are in a hurry and eat your meal without sharing it with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. Then on the night that he was betrayed. We quote this every time we take communion together at, at the bridge. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. This is exactly why at church we always take that time of just reflection of sitting in silence before taking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. It seems pretty harsh, Dad. Yeah, it does. 
It does. Uh, but again, God has always had this holy hatred for any kind of hypocrisy. And if we use communion like any other religious ritual, just going through the motions, and there's not a serious intent in our hearts to live for this Christ and to demonstrate him in our daily lives, well, then the act of communion is just a hypocritical ritual that you're going through. Yeah. And it's something that God hates. And so there is judgment upon that. Yeah. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about this matter after I arrive. Yeah, and I think the the clear condemnation here was using communion just as a meal and actually in the midst of doing communion, they were also practicing the competition that is so common among human beings where people wanted to be in front of each other or wanted to be viewed as being more important than others. And their very act of communion itself was sinful because yeah. of the selfishness involved. Yeah. All right, let's get over to Psalms. And we are Psalm 102. Yeah, Psalm chapter 102. <laughs> yeah, you're just doing that on purpose. <laughs> I'm doing it because you even said it yeah. in the sermon this week. Yeah. I said Psalm chapter. Oh, no, yeah, you no. told me that you well, told just, everybody. Yeah, I was making fun of you. That's all. People like it when I make fun of you. That's why I do it. I <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go back to just uh, making fun of your long hair, too. <laughs> Um, but I love verse 18 uh, in Psalm 102. Let this be recorded for future generations so that a nation yet to be created will praise the Lord, which means us. Yeah. And all yeah. of this is recorded, not just for that nation, but for us as well. It's been passed on from generation to generation to generation through other nations that hadn't been created yet when this was written so that we could have God's word today and that this, when we practice God's word, it creates blessing. Well, you're not by noticing in the Psalms, at least as of late, Dad, as we've been looking at this, there's a lot of, I believe David is the uh, author of this one, though I'm not positive, but there's a lot of the psalmist writing how he just really hopes and focuses on the next generation following mm-hmm. God. Yeah. I don't know if I've, I've, you know, as I've noticed that, I'm like, I want the next generation to follow God, of course, but I don't know if I have the same heart of, as David. So I've been trying to include that in my prayers lately. Mm. I'm just like, I want to, not just for my own kids, I want my grandkids, I want mm-hmm. my kids' friends. Like, it's a big deal that we pass the baton on to the next generation. And I think it doesn't end with us. Yeah. And I think these would be later Psalms of David or whoever wrote these Psalms because. I do think that the older you get, that becomes more of a focus, that I care more about the future generations today than I did 10, 20 years ago. So the older I get, the more it matters to me that this baton get, gets passed on and future generations follow along in this understanding of Scripture and honoring God. Yeah. All right. Well, make it a great Tuesday today. If you're a guy listening with long hair, you don't need to get a schedule a haircut today. Yeah, unless well, your I would wife just, wants you to. I would or... just be safe. Get, you know, get those <laughs> tattoos removed and cut that hair short. <laughs> make it a good day today, and we'll be with you tomorrow. Bye.